God, you can have your seats. A very good evening to you. It's a joy uh, this evening as you come. Uh, let's uh, uh, go into the Word of God tonight into the book of Matthew uh, chapter 22. Uh, it is a privilege to have you with us tonight. We welcome you out. Uh, my name is Gregory. I'm the pastor of the church. My wife, Yen, uh, we're here to serve you. The team here, we're here to help you uh, in your journey, in your walk with God. And so we thank God for you tonight. Uh, before we go into the message tonight, uh, I want to draw your attention to a story that I just recently read. Uh, in fact, it came through my email a while ago. And uh, it was sitting there until I, I recently was reminded of the story. And uh, interestingly, it was a story about an autistic boy. Uh, this young boy was about nine years old. And so he went to school and he invited uh, his friends to come in uh, for his birthday party. And so his friends, you know, because of his condition, uh, mocked him, criticized him, laughed at him, poked fun at him. Uh, they did all of that to this young man. And he had already been asking his mother for years and years to, in fact, invite his friends over for a birthday party. The mother was always very hesitant. She uh, didn't want to do it, so she always pushed it aside. Uh, she always had the nudge to say, you know what, we'll do it next year. Why don't we skip this year and then we have a birthday party next year and so on. And so this year, she decided to go on with it. And so when her son went to the school, Christian Larson went to the school and asked all of his friends to come. They literally responded to him rudely. The mom who was still hopeful that somehow there will be a number of them who will show up. The mom who was hopeful that there would be some of the students that will come. Eventually, there was only one person who RSVP'd among all the other students that were invited. And on that day, here was this young boy sitting there hoping that his friends would come and none of them showed up. And so you listen to a story like that and you cannot help, you cannot help but feel compassion for that young man. That here's a young man who only wanted to celebrate his birthday to come to a place where he began to find no one sharing in his excitement, no one sharing in his joy, no one sharing in what seemed to be exciting for him. And um, fascinatingly, uh, it's very, very intriguing to consider that the kingdom of God is also very similar to that nature. Matthew 22, verses 9 through 14. I want to read to you from the Bible tonight. Because how many know that the kingdom of God is an open invitation? Everyone is welcome. The kingdom of God, the church, where we come together in the congregation that we gather, is open to everyone. No one is 
exempted. No one is to be a castaway. The kingdom of God is an open invitation. And I would say all are welcome. So as we think about that as the backdrop to what I'm about to preach tonight, the kingdom of God on a number of different instances is used as a metaphor to represent a wedding feast. It has been used to de describe a place where people will be invited. We bring people into the house. We bring people into the celebration. We bring people together and all those who are invited. And scripture reveals that in this passage that we're going to read, there were a multitude of people who were invited, but they refused to come. In fact, they, they decided to just ditch the event that when the day came, they didn't even RSVP. But when the day came, when they were supposed to be present at the wedding, they just didn't show up. They gave excuses. They gave reasons. Oh, I just married my, I just married a, my wife. Or, you know, I have business to take care of. I have this and I have that. And what did the master of the feast do? When you study the scripture, the master became furious. He instructed those people, his own servants, he instructed his stewards. He said, look, if they don't want to come, you go back out there and you look for those who are willing to come. What is interesting, I'm going to read a passage in a moment, but what is interesting is this, the master didn't sit around and then give the excuse in saying, you know what, they don't want to come, let's call off the event. He didn't give the excuse that people don't want to show up, so let's just cancel it all. He didn't give the reason that said, you know what, the kingdom of God is not going to work because you know what, if people don't want to come, this is not going to happen. But rather, the master being who he was, an endurer, a persistent man, the Bible says he instructed his servants to go to the highways and the byways. He instructed them, you go out. These people don't deserve those invitations. They don't want to come, that's fine. They don't deserve the invitation. But you know what? You go and invite those who are willing to come. And Jesus is teaching us something very powerful in this passage. I want to preach very simply to you tonight, a sermon I've called, Speechless. Out of Matthew 22, 9-14, through 14, I told my wife I was going to preach this, and I said, I'm just going to stand here and say nothing. <laughs> because it's speechless. <laughs> and so, but I won't do that tonight. Matthew 22, we're going to spend some time in that passage. I'm going to reflect on this passage entirely tonight. We're going to visit some thoughts from this passage tonight. Matthew 22, verses 9 through 14, beloved. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless that's where i got the title from then the king said to the servants bind him 
hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So here we find in this passage tonight, a scripture that reveals to us somewhat similar to what I preached on this morning. That you and I can be completely wiped out in wickedness. The Bible says that He will come and He will cast them into the pit of fire or the pit of hell. He would cast them into a place where there's gnashing and there is, you know, all kinds of wicked processes that are happening. Weeping, as the Bible says, outer darkness, similar to what we were talking about this morning. But tonight as we consider this, here we find one group's loss is another group's gain. So we find the setting. The master, the king, went out and called on the people whom he had on his guest list. He said, okay, I'm going to invite Mr. So-and-so. I'm going to invite this person. I'm going to invite that person. I'm going to invite... Because why? What, what, what set the requirement to the guest list? I know them and they know me. Are you following me? So because we have a connection, because we have a link, because we are relations in one way or another, somewhere I know you, you could be a colleague, you could be someone whom I met, you could be a neighbor, you could be a family member, you could be a brother, you could be a sister, and because you mean someone to me, I'm inviting you to my son's wedding. I'm inviting you to attend the wedding. I'm inviting you to the banquet. I'm inviting you to join with us in this feast. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. And so he extends the invitation out to the people whom he assumes are close to him. Who he assumes have some form of connection with him. And the Bible says that somehow the hall on that day wasn't filled with the king's first choice. I want you to catch this. But the hall was filled with the king's second choice. So his first choice was a guest list of probably people who had title, position, people of recognition, people who knew him, People who had knowledge of who he is. People who could tell stories about the king and say, oh, I know this king. He he was, you know, years ago, he made a wise judgment when the country was going through a time and he made a wise judgment. I remember this king. I know who he is. I know that he's a good man. But yet they refused to come. But you see, eventually he removed those requirements And the king now says, go into the highways. Three terms I want to home in on right here in verses 9. Isaac, go to verses 9. The Bible says, go into the highways. You see that? As many as you find, invite to the wedding. Something changed about the king. He was no longer keen on having the first category of people anymore. 
He seemed to be infuriated by their, he seemed to be furious by their response. And so what he did was, he begins to have these barriers that were removed. And now, as we think about it, that is exactly how the kingdom of God functions. God is not selective about who comes into his kingdom. God is not prejudiced. God is not racist. God has no barriers concerning our background and who we are. God wants us to come into His kingdom. He wants us to partake of the banquet. He wants us to be part of that whole ceremony and that entire family relation. He wants us to be present. You and I have all been invited to the great banquet. Thank God for that. We've accepted the invitation and we know that in the king's house is nothing less but the best. So think about it here. The servants right here are contemplating. The king instructs them, go, go invite them. The servants with this great burden in their heart understand and know, look, I'm the closest companion to the king. I see him every day. I know who he is. I know he loves you. I know he cares for you. I know he is concerned about you. I know that everything he serves in his palace, everything that he serves in his kingdom is nothing less but the best that you will ever have. And so imagine the burden these stewards are going out with and people are giving them, I don't want lah. I've got other things to do. Lah. I'm too busy. Lah. I don't want to come. I'm not, I'm not interested. And the king says, you know what? If that is the case, just eliminate. So we're talking about people who have first-hand experience of the king. They are the ones who know. And the king uses these words. Going to the highways. What does that mean? How does that relate to us? Going to the highways. It's a picture, beloved. It's a call that you and I have to embrace tonight. We have to find access points. We have to find gateways. You know, if you want to get from here to Penang, you get on a highway. You want to get from here to Johor, you get on a highway. If you want to get from here uh, to any of the... any any other state in Malaysia, there are some, you know, trunk roads, but not a whole lot. Most of the roads in Malaysia today have been upgraded to highways. And so what does it represent? It is speaking of an access point. You are going to get from point A to point B on this road. You are going to be able to gain uh, access to the next destination by getting yourself on this road. It represents a pathway. I say to you tonight, every one of us have an access point. Every one of us has a highway, whether in our jobs, in our homes, in our families, we all have highways. There are people on those highways that need Jesus. There are people on those highways that need to know that the King loves them. Go into the highways. He gives them the response go into the highway. He didn't, he, he, he didn't just say, okay, you know what? Forget it. They don't want to come. Caterer, cut down the amount of food. You know what? Let's just have a good time amongst us. But he, re, he began to impose. He begins to put that response. 
go into the highway look for access points look for doors look for ways look for opportunities basically look for that that gateway that highway now i ask you tonight where's that highway in your life which is your highway tonight which is the highway that god has put you in that you have access to the many people on that road before you get to where you need to get how many know we all have those places we all have those highways we all have access we all have pathways that can take someone from where they are to the king's banquet then jesus the master of the feast goes on and he says as many as you find so as you're living your life on that highway this term as many as you find represents a personal burden that we develop we know that people who are not invited into the guest room we know that people who are not invited are lost sheep as the bible calls them do you have a burden that yearns to see them get saved do you have a burden that yearns to see them come to salvation as many as you find as many as you find the people who are walking down the lrt stations the people who are walking down and taking a jog in the morning the people who are walking past the shopping malls the people who are going in in taipan for a meal listen as many as you find as many as you find in the book of luke 15 verses 6 and when he comes home he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them that's not the the scripture isaac i added this later on really listen to this if you can pull up luke 15:6 uh that will be great but otherwise church just listen to what i'm reading here and when he comes home he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for i have found my sheep which was lost which was lost what was what is god imply as many as you find as many as you find that people just like lost sheep there are people who needs to be found they are lost they are lost they're going through the circles of life they they assume that they have the answers they think they know but beloved I declare to you there are people who don't know they don't have the slightest answer to life and God is giving us that duty go go to the highways as many as you find bring them and the third requirement we find tonight is he says invite them to the banquet I make this and I declare this to all of you tonight it is the sole responsibility of every believer to invite people into the king's banquet you see at the end of the day if i'm a christian one of my greatest duties amongst all the other duties that i carry out is to invite as many as i can into the banquet with jesus christ everything else comes secondary when my christian life becomes of great priority 
everything else becomes secondary to that my whatever else i would like to talk about whatever else i would spend time imposing and speaking to people about will become secondary to none because the main priority is i need to invite them into a banquet with jesus christ and as we begin to consider this thought i want to talk to you very quickly secondly about the garment because the Bible here reflects very clearly to a garment that the man had not been wearing. So we must first and foremost understand that the garment was indeed provided. Why do you say that? Because when you read verses 11, but when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment they were provided back in history they were provided with the outfit the costume the the uh, the wedding garments to in order to attend the king's banquet they were provided for and so it was a gala event it was an exciting event and so here we find a man who was in the banquet but he was without the garment and somehow the master the king was offended by this man's uh, 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 behavior that he rebuked and he reprimanded him. And I make a statement to you, everyone is provided with a garment because a garment is supposed to appropriate the environment of the wedding. I say that again, a garment is supposed to appropriate the environment of a wedding. When you go for a wedding, you understand that there are certain dress codes to the wedding. Amen. Right? You, you don't just walk in with slippers, for example, or you don't just walk in with shorts. You don't walk in with a Bermuda, uh, 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 you know, uh, shorts and, you know, a, a, a Hawaiian shirt. I mean, unless it's themed that way. It's a beach wedding or something like that. But if you go for a proper formal wedding, there's some sense of respect and reverence towards the bride and groom that this is their special day. They are the king and queen for the day. And I'm going to come and represent them and be well-dressed because my image represents them. Because I'm their guest. They invited me. And I have to have respect for And so here we find a man who is present in the king's banquet. And he comes without the garment that was provided to him. What does this symbolize tonight? The garment represents faith in our spiritual life. You see, as believers tonight, when we walk into the house of God or when we walk into God's banquet, one of the most vital things that God looks for in us is that we come with faith. And when faith is absent, the Bible says, you will offend God when there isn't faith present. Matt, uh, Hebrews eleven six familiar text, we've read it, we've seen it a number of times. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 
So some people came for the wedding feast that day. For what? Not because they were rejoicing the king's uh, son or even the king was uh, going to be this celebration of marriage and commemoration of the son's man. No, no. Some, some of them came for the food. Right? Oh, I checked the menu out. Seemed like, wow, ada ikan bakar, ada, ada tau bakar, ada, you know, and, 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 and somehow they are, I'm going for it. I don't care how I look. I want to be there because the food looks good. Right? And, and you know how many, you know, uh, 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 people around us, you know, I, I just come for the food only lah. Right? And then they just come to eat and go off. You know, they actually don't want to be there. <laughs> for them, it's like, hey, free food. You know, and, and then, and then they, 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 they enjoy that. They, they just come and they go and, you know. But the king was breaking that form of expectation. The king was simply saying, you're not going to come for this wedding. You're not going to come to this banquet for the wrong reason. If you're coming because I invited you, you've got to come with the garment I provided you with. You're going to show up because I gave you this garment to put on. I have provided you with it. You have no excuse to say, I didn't have the money to buy it. I don't have the you know, ability to, to, to put it on. I'm, I'm unable, I'm incapable. There's no reason to it because the Bible says, He has given us the garment of faith. Romans 12, 3, For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God, our Savior, Jesus, has given every single one of us a measure of faith. That the moment you gave your life to Christ, the moment you stepped into the... So there is no excuse to basically what he's saying is you, you cannot make up a reason as to why you cannot trust me. I know times are hard. I know difficulties are hard. But you come with faith. Your faith must be on me. And when the man came in and the man walked in without the garment of a man who had what the king had provided him with, the king was offended. You know, we were attending a wedding yesterday and some of these thoughts came from just what I saw going on. Uh, one of the common traits I kept hearing all through the wedding was Jesus is the center of everything. They kept saying that. But I never saw that. I kept hearing Jesus is the center of it. Jesus is the center of our relationship. Jesus is the center of it. Jesus, but, but the photos, the ceremony, the images, the appearance of the entire wedding ceremony and everything that was right. And, and obviously, I know this person. I'm, uh, it's my family. And I know Jesus has not been the center. I'm, I'm speaking from just knowing the background as well. And when I put two and two together, I realize, no, I don't think so. I don't think 
Jerusalem. I don't think Jesus has been the center. You've been the center. <laughs> it's been about you. Everything has just been about you. And I began to ask, I, th that's where this thought came from. And, and I began to ask, the garment of faith represents Jesus Christ. That when people see you with the garment, they know you are attending the king's banquet. I'm not telling you to put on a shirt that says, you know, Jesus on it. I'm, I'm not saying, if you have one, you want to put it on, by all means. No, 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 nothing wrong with that. But I'm implying that we represent Jesus because the garment has been provided. And how would people know if we're true believers? Faith. The presence of faith. That's why Jesus says you're in the wedding and, and, and yet there is an absence. There is no, and there are people who come to church, beloved. Faith is absent. Faith is nowhere to be found. Decisions you make, choices you make is so absent of faith tonight. And sadly, as we close, oh, yeah, we close. Because I wrote this sermon like an hour before service tonight. The man was speechless. In other words, here we find this individual because of his lack of faith when the master approached him he had nothing to say. I want you to know tonight we stand before God. You know a lot of people have a pigment of an imagination of how God is going to be like. I, I'm challenging you to look at the Bible and understand that God is not one you can twist his arm to make believe what you like for him to buy into. One day when we stand before God, he's going to turn I gave you a measure of faith. Yeah, but life was hard. No, I gave you a measure. That's why we fight for our faith. That's why no matter what we do, we fight to keep our faith alive. Because as a fighter, we're not going to give that up. We're not going to quit in on that. We're not going to let that dis be dismissed. We are going to fight until we get to the end and make sure that we've held our faith. Life may become we like what Paul says in the book of Acts chapter 16 or, or Acts chapter maybe 20, 24 maybe um, they're sailing down that, that sea and God spoke to Paul the ship that you're on will be shipwrecked but everyone will be safe. You remember that story? Life is like that. You may end up going to heaven, you know, broken and tented and having one dollar in your account or maybe an account that's dormant. But I will tell you, God will be pleased because you kept your faith alive. That when I stand before God, He is not going to, you know, uh, uh, sympathize with me. Oh, poor little being. Oh, I understand how hard. He knows how hard it is. That's why even more, we need Him. Even more, we fight to keep our faith in God alive. Because when we stand before God, oh, you know, this happened. And I can tell you, God will just have to say one thing to us. 
Didn't I give you, didn't I give you faith to believe? Right? And you know what's going to happen? We're going to be speechless. There's nothing you're going to answer God back that's going to ever justify our action, including me. Including nothing. You think about it. God who made a way. Nothing is going to impress God. Anything or any way possible to say, God, you know what? It's, 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 what happened to the faith I gave you? What do you do with it? I don't know if God put his hands in the pocket. <laughs> and you know, look at you and, yeah, what do you do with it? I would probably do that, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> God... I think even when you stand before Him in the awe of His presence, you'll be speechless. Nothing. Can't say anything. You'll be still. The only thing you got, it's like what the Bible said, he, he got His stewards to carry this man and discard him. There's nothing you can say after that. And I'm declaring to you tonight, beloved. That's why if anything is of great importance tonight, we need to keep our faith alive in our living God. You've been invited. You're in the banquet. We know that one day we will all be in heaven rejoicing and celebrating. That is our greatest desire. But the only thing that will disqualify us from getting to that great great banquet one day is the lack of faith. I challenge you, you need to fight. You need to strive. You need not give up and say, you know what, this is hard. I cannot put on the garment and say, God, you've provided me with a measure of faith. You know what, I trust that you're alive and that faith alone is sufficient. I'm going to start with that tonight. I'm going to start believing in faith whatever comes my way whatever happens it is my faith in you i will strive to keep and i assure you tonight you will remain seated in the banquet i want you to bow your heads with me